Daniel Mullen is a Scottish artist and painter based in Rotterdam. This is Daniel Mullen. I'm Duncan Gammy. You're listening to Dunk Tank. Uh, cool. I'm here with Daniel Mullen. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you because you're an artist, you're a painter, and this is a, a sort of part of uh, our world that I'm very fascinated by. Uh, the, not just painting itself, but the world of art making. Uh, you're in Mexico right now for... That's correct. So how, do, how does this work? You're, do you, how, how do you, as a painter, survive? I, I maybe, I, and I don't mean that as like, oh, how does, how does any one painter survive? Like how, right. not a, an immediate... I, mean, I, I, I suppose you can actually take it like slightly broader than that and ask the question, how does an artist survive? Right. Yes. Um, and in that sense, um, there is a, um, a, lots of different ways an artist goes about doing that. Um, in the US, it's probably slightly different, but in Europe, um, there's a lot of um, uh, funding from governments available. So um, if your practice is more um, um, process based and less uh, result-based in the sense that you are uh, researching and going on field trips and that kind of process that needs to be funded right that's um, that's some, something that's quite difficult to do alone so uh, often uh, an artist who is in that field would be um, uh, applying for grants and scholarships um, to to kind of uh, facilitate that aspect of the practice. And maybe alongside that, they also have like a part-time job and doing other things, or maybe they're they're able to sustain themselves from uh, um, getting these grants. And then the idea is also with these grants that then at the end of it, you would uh, be having an exhibition of the work in a non-commercial sense. Um, so it's not the, these exhibitions that you would be then having wouldn't necessarily have anything to do with commercial, but purely um, the artistic uh, outing of that uh, uh, research. Um, then, of course, you have different uh, other forms of uh, artists who would be more working within, uh, let's say, a more product based. So they, uh, they spend some time in the studio, they make something. Um, and then um, try and um, monetize that in some respect uh, or translate it into money in order to continue the process, right? So uh, the, the money aspect of it and the selling aspect is only a means to maintain the, the practice and to further develop the work. Um, and that can happen in the online world. It can happen through galleries. It can happen through um, uh, word of mouth. There's just so many different ways you can do it. And quite often it's a combination of all of them. Uh, in my case, if you want me, yeah. Uh, yeah in, in, in my case, um, I started out um, uh, after I graduated. Um, I started out by uh, working with a few galleries in the Netherlands, um, or actually one gallery in the Netherlands. Um, and I kind of, <clears throat> after my graduation, I was like, yes, I've made it. I have a, a gallery that wants to work with me, represent me. And I was super excited with that. Um, but the reality kind of sunk in that um, working with one gallery and having some sales 
isn't enough to sustain yourself, right? So, um, so I always had a part-time job, and that was uh, I was working in uh, in the kitchens as a, a cook. Um, so I was always doing that on the side. Uh, but then at a certain point, it was like, okay, I kind of have to shake up the 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 dynamic here. So then I started working with an online gallery, and that opened up a lot in the sense that I was able to make sales in order to then uh, develop the work further. I did that for a time. And then uh, as the work developed, I got interest from different uh, uh, sources. And then I kind of diversified that and kind of left the online uh, um, aspect as it was, and then started really working uh, solely through galleries. You, you mentioned the online gallery. Right. And there was some... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the author Bill DeResowitz, um, but he, he's a former Yale like English professor. And he wrote this book recently called The Death of the Artist, which is a very right. uh, dramatic title. But he was talking about how a lot of artists now just like constantly have to push out content online right. if they want to be right. like, visible and if, right. if they want to make sales. Do you feel that pressure? Um, it's a good question. Um, I mean, there's... Um, I mean, I suppose I post maybe about once or twice a month. Um, like uh, I'm talking about Instagram. Basically, I use Instagram as my online presence. Uh, I, of course, have my website um, that has a more uh, expansive uh, um, kind of um, visualization of uh, everything I do and then content, CV, um etc. But Instagram for me is basically what I use. And um, I post about twice a month. Uh, but I don't have any uh, like strategy around because there's a lot of people that have a strategy of like okay I'm going to post three times a week I'm going to uh, I'm going to find out what what's the the optimal time to uh, uh, to post my post uh, based on the analytics that Instagram offers um, and in that way I'm going to grow my audience uh, engage and um, hopefully make sales um I don't I don't really use it like that um, um, although um yeah it is I think it is an important tool because it's like in it has a, a way to sort of demo democratize um, the uh, the art process the visual content. Um, and put, bring it away from galleries. It's like, of course, galleries are a really important aspect of the uh, art world. But um, for the artists, I think it, it's you got to kind of have a balance somewhere. Yeah, I hear that. Do, do you also worry, like one of the things I heard uh, Conan O'Brien talk about in the context of comedy was that, oh, we're not competing with other late night talk shows. Like we are, but like really we're competing with like the flood of comedy that's out there of like, mm -hmm. you know, someone's going to film uh, like a squirrel slipping on a banana peel. And like, how could you possibly be funnier than that? And you're going to compete with that right. every day. Um, right. Do you feel like an escalation in content? Yes. I mean, yeah. does that, do you feel like artists are being crowded out at any level? Yeah. I mean, that's that, that that's yeah definitely yeah it's a good question i'm not i'm not so sure uh i can i can definitely see scenarios where that is definitely happening um um but i think it's of course a very individual uh situation and i think it also really depends on the on, on your content and what your goals with 
um, um, such a platform is. Uh, yeah, totally. And how do you how do you feel uh, speaking of this? How technology has changed art? How do you feel about all these new AI generated images? Do you feel like this is uh, the end of art making? Yeah, it's. Uh, I was actually uh, I was uh, in a in a conversation this morning uh, actually around AI, um, and there was um, uh, a fellow artist here at the residency who was is using. Uh, or had done a project uh, uh, using AI to uh, judge um, whether uh, an artwork that someone has created is good or not. Um, so that that, that I, f- I find that quite interesting in the in the, in the way that this artist uh, uh, was um, doing that was basically uh, treating the AI. Uh, like a, a neural network in the sense that um, when we um, when we see something we like, a lot of neurons fire, right? Uh, when we see something we don't like, less neurons fire. So if you take that principle and you use it um, uh, in AI, you can then teach the a- AI to um, give like a, a, a score uh, based on how many neurons function, uh, kind of, um, yeah. Yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, so that that kind of flips on its head, actually. Um, like instead of us judging the AI, the, the AI is judging us. Um, I think I think there's I think there's a place for it um, as everything. It was like uh, uh, when uh, photography um, kind of happened. Uh, it was basically people were scared that it was the death of the artist, basically because the art artist in that at that moment had a role of. Uh, somehow documenting historical and uh, individual lives, right? And then the camera took that away and that was an unknown technology. So it's maybe hard for us uh, to imagine that frontier that it was so in a way existential um, because we're, it's, it's, it's an, uh, we've normalized it. But um, I personally don't need to uh, engage in it, but I think it's, it has a place. And But my personal uh, position is that as much as um, technology is an, an, an important part of um, uh, the furthering of whatever culture, um, it's also at the same point, it has its place. And the, the, the human um, uh, aspect the um, the irregularity, the uh, the chaos, the 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 unpredictability, the um, um, how the human uh, interacts with material, that is something that um, is has is has has a value too. I I I hear what you're saying, and I think. So I, I'm, I'm a software engineer, so that's, I come from like that world and people all the time right. are worried that, oh, uh, like, you know, maybe AI is gonna replace software engineers. And it's like, well, yeah. like it'll definitely be a tool in people's wheelhouse, but like somebody has to put the pipes together. Uh, right. Somebody has to like, okay, say like, hey, point this AI at this, you know, device to do something. Um, yeah. And that's, so it'll change the definition, I guess, of what right. an engineer would be. And I think, like what you were saying, 
about artists at one point being there to like document historical events. Um, yeah. And, and that's uh, like clearly the purpose like is not of an artist so much is not nowadays to do that. Like there's, there's, right. it's not right. as though art doesn't interact with history or anything like that. Um, but it's photography has cut a little bit out of what uh, was considered like the function of art. And mm -hmm. then you, artists reacted to that and started going into like really interesting different directions of like, okay, fine. We'll just make crazy abstract stuff. You know, photorealism is not the goal. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe like this is actually a great opportunity for art to sort of like reevaluate itself and figure out like, okay, in this context, what are we now? I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, totally. uh, when people say technology having a place in art, um, mm -hmm. I do feel like maybe our definition of technology is like a little limited because mm -hmm. from where I'm sitting, like, every piece of art whether it's painting music etc has to have has to be engineered on some level into being mm -hmm. like pianos mm -hmm. don't fall from the sky they have mm -hmm. to be constructed uh mm -hmm. paint has to be put in tubes or you know even stretching a canvas you could say is like a work of engineering or a technology um yeah. it, it, do you feel like there's like a technophobia sometimes in like the world of art? Um, I, uh, I I suppose it depends what uh, which artists you speak to, <laughs> sure. and uh, right because um, I mean there's there's of course the NFT world and there's also a, a lot of artists who um, weren't able to uh, commodify their work because there wasn't like a legitimate uh, certificate uh, tracking opportunity. Um, so it's actually enabled um, a lot of artists to somehow uh, like kind of reach their uh, desired space, right? So it's, it's like super important. But I think um, each artist has a different perspective on it. Mine personally is that I think is great and it's, it's just a natural evolution of things. Me personally, um, I want to um, I want to be a counter to that. Um, I, 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 I counter, yeah. I, I, I want to somehow be um, part of the balance um, in in that uh, environment, and um, and yeah. What does that mean in this case to be a counter? Um, it's, it's a good question. I think. Um, somehow by um so for example in in my work um there's quite an interesting um sort of paradox or parallel between um the online um how my work travels through the online world and how it is experienced versus uh how the work is experienced in reality in in the physical so in the physical you really have this uh experience of uh time um when material layering uh, irregularities bleeding of the pain um uh and just the 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 the, the visibility of the brush stroke uh that's very subtle but it's there um and that creates a, a sort of um an overall presence um that the work has in its uh physical sense 
uh, on the online world, you, you create a photograph of it, and then that gets uh, reduced down um, in its um, in all its uh, being into a, a flat image where there's light coming from behind instead of right. So paint is a, um, a reflection of the light that's coming at it, and then we process that into uh, dividing it up into color, and we, we somehow perceive it like that. Uh, on a screen, the light is coming from behind, right? So it's like, it's a complete and utterly di different experience. So when my work translates into the online world, it all, it seems like a digital creation. It seems digital in its language and its creation. So there's a very, in, in my opinion, there's a very interesting uh, paradox there between how it really is and how the shadow, the digital shadow is actually operating. And those two things are different. And that uh, brings up a question of um, perception, right? Our perception of what, what is physical versus what is like a, a, a digital creation and how that can challenge our, um, our, our um, perception of reality in a sense. Totally. Yeah, that's, have you thought about, um, you, you've made this comment here, but have you thought about sort of incorporating that somehow into like a work of art itself? Um, it's intrinsic in the work if the if if we have a discussion around it or if you see this to to I mean I don't want to do it too to too on the head if I if I would like somehow make that the central commentary uh, in my work within the, the narrative then I would probably have to make different work and when I would make different work then it wouldn't function in the way it's functioning right so I think I can have conversations around the work about that. Yeah. But if I would actually do that literally, then the work wouldn't be about that anymore. It would be about something else. If you get my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Do you, um, that, that's an interesting phenomenon where, because I, I would imagine most people who see your work are seeing yeah. it digitally, you know? Right, yeah. So do you ever feel like you want to just like grab these people and be like, no, 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 you're not really seeing what like you think you're seeing. Like, um, I mean, it, you know, it, it, the, um, by me putting it on into the digital world, I'm, I'm in a way also um, uh, agreeing to the terms and conditions, in a sense, of the online world. So I have to, I, I, um, although it, like, I, I have some questions around it, and this... The interesting thing is the longer I've been on the online world, the more this has become apparent. So it's like, it's it's kind of evolved to this. Um, so it has a function in the online world, right? Which is almost like a candy fodder or something, right? It's like, um, so I, I only hope that when people see it, they feel, if they understand that it's actually a painting um, and it's not a print or some, some digital, uh, construction that they're compelled to want to see it in real and when when we have that conversation in real that's a really nice conversation to have and a really interesting one and I love having that um, so it's it's kind of like um, when, when going back to the beginning of talking about um, how how are you being a, a counter or a balance um, 
I think for me, it's it's in quite it's not in, in a, on your um, it's kind of a pass in a passive way. It's like something that can can um, can come through uh, time and conversation and looking and living with the work. So it's not like um, I'm not trying to be too forceful with it. Interesting. But, yeah. Yeah. It kind of like naturally arises almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also kind of fits the work as well. It's like um, maybe slightly on like, of course, on a color level, it's like it tends to have like quite a high saturation and it comes towards you. But like this other aspect of it is um, maybe slightly unassuming and like seeps through, hopefully. Yeah. So it's actually nice to have a conversation about this, you know? Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It, yes. And speaking of which, if people who are listening to this have not seen your paintings, they should absolutely Google them and like pause right. this, Google the paintings and, and then come back. Because, yes, they are uh, saturated color is, is, is quite yeah. on point. It's uh, yeah, they're, they're very vivid. And yeah. I'm I'm curious, like what because they are um, abstract. What mm -hmm. is? Uh, I, I guess there was like a point in time in art history where doing mm -hmm. like really abstract art like this, people would have yeah. to give some justification of like, right. okay, what are you doing here? Um, mm -hmm. What uh, what motivates you to paint the paintings that you do? Is, is that answerable in any way? Um. Well, I can start by answering why I don't paint other paintings. <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, or maybe how I came to painting these kind of paintings. Um, so, um, in um, in right in in literature, you have this idea of um, the writer writing for the intended reader and the reader reading uh, what the intended uh, writer wrote. Right. So these are two parabolas that actually overlap, but also miss each other. Um, yeah. These are two curves, right? So uh, what the, the writer wrote doesn't necessarily get communicated in the way they intended it to the, the reader and vice versa. So um, when thinking about how to communicate and how to uh, um, um, be as direct with the viewer, uh, in this case, the viewer, me, the artist, um, what, 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 what is necessary for that um, interaction to occur in the most direct way. Um, if, for example, I would um, have a painting of, a, of a, a living room, let's say, and in that living room, there was a figure sitting, lying on a chaise lawn or, or something, or a couch or something, um, I would be then depicting a narrative that then would have to be interpreted by the viewer. Right. So have it, have, having the figure there creates a third dimension to that conversation. But at the yeah. same time that the, in, in that situation, um, uh, a lot can can change and get lost. So um, with me wanting to like have a, a, the most direct relationship with uh, the viewer of the work or communicate uh, communication, not having a figurative element in it um, eliminates a lot of variables, in my opinion. So um, when when uh, when you have something um, that is, uh, let's say, geometrically spatial and um, abstract at the same time, um, there is 
in that sense, a limited, uh, I'm limiting the, um, uh, the possibilities. So for me, um, the architectural structure of the work is there only to give um, space for color to be experienced. So uh, in that sense, um, um, the reason they're spatial um, is um, a combination of like um, a nod to historical um, art history, um, but also a commentary then possibly on um, um, uh, modernist painting in a sense. So I'm like trying to find somewhere in between. Wait, so how is it being spatial and having like, uh, like, cause if you look at some of these paintings, it's clearly there's like, a, there looks like depth, things like that. Right. Uh, how is that a nod to, to art history? Just cause that's, that is like traditionally been done in the past or? Yeah, so it's like, like um, if you go, if you go back to um, the before, before the, like around the Renaissance time, right, in uh, in Italy, and uh, the invention of perspective, and um, the the I before perspective, our 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 perception of space other than the physical, so the perception of two dimensional space uh, almost didn't exist, right? If you look at the icons and everything, everything is totally flat. Um, but with the invention of perspective, uh, we're also somehow inventing another world uh, or another perception of another world. Um, so by uh, somehow by adding that element in the work, I'm somehow um, straddling this uh, minimalism, but from a more historical context, if you follow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you feel... Um... Do you feel any like need, like it, it seems like unlike the sciences, they're not necessarily like uh, progress, I guess, in like the arts. It's not like, oh, like this is inherently, at least for me, it's not like, oh, this is inherently better than paintings without perspective. Um, do you feel any need to like break, you know, new ground or be like, oh, we're doing something that is, um, has not been done. Like, do you feel a need to make progress? Do you feel a need to like do something? Like apparently Jackson Pollock was like really hung up on the idea of like, oh, Picasso had tried a bunch of different things. What is going to be my thing that makes me a great artist or whatever? Right, right. Yeah, and 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 then he realized that um, his automatic painting, actually when he saw a, a, a film of his... Uh, of his process he realized that it wasn't automatic at all that right. it was all very intentional right so it just like <laughs> this 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 um possibly grandiose ideas of self um maybe don't aid well i mean i'm not going to talk about paul because like whatever yeah. but like um i all i would say about myself in that sense is that um um having a grandiose idea um about um uh what my work can do or how it can operate or how important it is historically or uh, for the future history um, is a bit of nonsense. The only thing I can do is uh, follow my interest and hope that that um, has um, that connects with uh, someone else um, and that that's interesting and that we can have a dialogue around it. Um, more than that you can't do. And yeah. of course, you know, um, in, the, in the future, historically speaking, maybe there is some relevance to it, but that's, uh, that's not for me to say. That's uh, for something grander. 
I see. Yeah. Yeah. It also just sounds like a stressful way to approach art making. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> it puts a lot of pressure on yourself. Like, yeah, but, but like, of course, you know, in art school, like your, 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 your next work's going to be your Magnus Open, right? <laughs> and then, the, and then it fails. And then your next one's going to be this masterpiece. And then constantly you're, you're work, working in that, um, that, frame of mind but then at a certain point the development curve kind of uh, flattens out and of course there still should be development but uh, it shouldn't be through each work but it, it should be over a longer period of time because it's only when you when you have like a, a long stretch of development and research is that you can really truly understand what you're doing and you maybe you never even understand fully what you're doing but you can at least somehow base your decisions decisions and your next work on the on the work that uh, preceded it and that's a sustainable manner to develop new work without end gaming it i think do you feel like when you make sort of um because I, I imagine if you went to like your art school paintings I, I don't know if i've seen any of those but i imagine they uh i did did do they look like your paintings now or um I, like i imagine you've picked up a lot of like you know, new sort of tools in your, your basket or whatever. Um, right. Pr probably you've also like gotten, I would imagine like bored of like certain styles. You're like, okay, let me like try something different. Um, right. It, do you, do you see like a through line there? Um, or like, I, I guess when you said like, okay, you look at what you've done and that kind of like leads to like what comes next. Yeah. Like, do you, um, how do you, I guess, how do you decide what comes next? And just like, it's just whatever, or, or do you feel like you've sort of like, just like gotten like more deep into, I don't know. I'm asking a lot of questions at once. So let me, let me try to right. make that a little bit simpler. Start I, off. I, yeah. Go ahead. Did you have something? Yeah. Um, so, so um Going back to art school, uh, you can definitely see the the. Uh, in my opinion, I can definitely see the the the, the genesis uh, of the work, um, and it started actually um, um, by photographing architecture, and uh, rendering that you know on a painting. Um, so it was, it was, in that sense, it was quite figurative. Um, but I was I was interested in these two concepts of nothingness and emptiness. Um, with the uh, these two opposing concepts, so uh, for me, um, when when I was trying to somehow uh, go through this um, process of abstracting the work, and I was extracting the work because I was interested uh, in releasing the the architecture from its uh, physical uh, uh, ba uh, boundaries, let's say. Um, so looking at the uh, basically looking at the at the picture frame or the canvas as a as a portal as a is a uh, an entrance into another realm where um, those laws that bind bind our world don't exist and in that I was being seeing myself in that sense at that moment as the architect of that universe. Um, but um, thinking about these two two concepts of nothingness and emptiness, uh, I started to think um, to look at the uh, the white gesso prepared linen um, as a negative uh, emptiness. 
So um, thinking about it more from uh, Satra's position, uh, the uh, nothing nothingness is a positive state of being versus the Eastern perspective where emptiness is a, is a positive state of being. So I felt compelled in the beginning to fill up all the white of the canvas in order to get rid of that nothingness <laughs> in a sense. And yeah. uh, at a certain point I stepped over to the uh, the raw linen and started painting on raw linen. And for me, that was a, a positive experience of emptiness as in it felt like it was something already. And then I was actually in relationship. So I was having a relationship with the space that was already existing. And then I was just bringing in elements to uh, somehow create us uh, spatial relationships, color, uh, light, and uh, and space. Um, so that was like a, a big evolution, but it came out of um, uh, those architectural works uh, that were renderings at the beginning. I see. So where where then like uh, when you were talking about building having like a narrative in sort of like a figurative yeah. image. Um, yeah. This is something that I've I've sort of thought about with like writing and like literature. There's unlike in like painting or music, there aren't any real like child prodigy novelists, uh, and there's not really even as much of like an equivalent of like doodling in like writing. You kind of have to like start with an idea. Right. Um, right. Right. So, do you feel um, when when you like these these paintings don't like a guy, like a Pollock, I can imagine just starts off throwing a, a line on the canvas and sort of like reacting to that. Yeah. Um, but these paintings have like an architecture to them. Do yeah. you, do you have an image in your head before you start? Or do you, is your, do you have a, a, a sort of set process or is it change? What, yeah. what does it look like when you decide to create yeah. a painting? So uh, I often work in series um, um, and uh, it really depends on the series. So uh, my more recent series, um, that is definitely, there's a lot more uh, systematic approach to it. In the older series, when I was still somehow relying more heavily on uh, architecture um, as part of the of the work, I was definitely uh, doing a lot of sketches and figuring uh, a form out that had uh, a certain dynamicness to it that I felt as I could use as almost like as an excuse to start, right? Um, now, in a way, the, the, the work is more um, uh, informed by uh, curiosity around uh, light and color and interactions of those. Now, the, the painting then, somehow the form of the painting. Uh, basically, as I, I said before, then it, in a way, I do some sketches to try and figure out a, a, a composition that will facilitate that uh, in the most optical manner. I see, so, yeah. So, so, so now I'm a, like in, I was doing a series before this one that I'm on now, which was called Future Monuments. And in that one, um, I was definitely playing a lot more with the uh, with the uh, composition and the form, and I was doing a lot of sketches for that. With this one, I basically uh, started off uh, from an older series, so I basically taken an older series um, and used the composition there because I felt like that can best facilitate the new investigation. 
um, and which was the synesthesia series. So now uh, I'm in this uh, interaction series uh, and that I've kind of uh, taken over from there. Do you, um, when you were talking earlier about like the, the concepts of nothingness and emptiness, um, yeah. do you feel like these are things that uh, like you, oftentimes in like a gallery, you'll see like a sort of a plaque next to the painting and it'll explain all these kinds of things for the viewer. And there's sometimes yeah. where I see that and I'm almost uh, like, I appreciate it, but I'm also like, man, I, I wish this was like, this is a visual medium. So I wish I could just like look at this and sort of see all these things. Uh, do oh. you feel like these concepts are uh, like necessary to get like the fullest amount of, of juice out of these paintings as a viewer? Uh, or how how would you like viewers to approach your art? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it, it has it has a lot to do with uh, um, circumstance and situation and environment, and um, there's so many variables involved. Um, what's the ultimate uh, scenario? Um, I suppose seeing the work in real and me being present and maybe um, ideally not being aware of my presence, right? Like I'm not even there, but I'm there. And then um, that we can have, once once they per perceive the work, they've lived with the work, we can have a conversation about it. Um, but I definitely don't want my work to somehow lean too heavily on a theoretical framework. Uh, in order to experience the work. Um, it would, the work I feel is really important is that the work can be felt. And through the feeling of the work, the knowledge is, is there, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's, it kind of reminds me of something T.S. Eliot said that uh, some like great poetry is uh, felt before it's understood. Right, exactly, exactly. And through feeling you can understand as well, right? It's not just a, an in intellectual endeavor. Yeah, totally. So that's, that is something that a lot of people, like sometimes I'll go with like friends to like uh, contemporary galleries and they'll yeah. see something, particularly when it's abstract and they'll yeah. be like, what does this even mean? And like, uh, it, uh, and there's kind of an idea in a lot of people's head, like it, this has to mean something. Um, right. Do you do you feel that way, or like what kind of experience are you trying to give to people? Um, I I suppose I suppose uh, this this kind of maybe relates back to um, uh, the use of architecture or geometric uh, spatial aspects of it. I suppose I use that as a uh, as a set uh, a level of seduction, right? Uh, I want to seduce the viewer in to. Uh, spending time um, and, and I think because um, um, perspective is like a, a construct that we all somewhat agree upon um, this is readily uh, understandable that you don't really need okay of course color comes first right we understand color before anything else then comes all these other constructs around so but like in general uh uh perspective is there as this thing that we um communally agree upon so without any understanding 
of anything to do with art, when you look at an image and you um, you understand perspective, you're immediately drawn into the work. So without any knowledge, you're there already, right? And so when you're in there, then uh, there's this opportunity to, to explore relationships and interactions in color that you might not understand if it was flat, right? But right. because there's perspective there, uh, there there's an opportunity to uh, bounce around in there in a different way. Um, yeah, does that make sense? I, I, yeah, I think so. I, I was just talking for this podcast with someone who uh, did a book on, on Duchamp. And right. he Duchamp famously, I guess, was against like the idea of retinal art, like art that was like, quote unquote, just pleasing for the eye. Right. And, the argument that like, hey, haven't you ever like just gone through a gallery and kind of like almost just like walked through it and then like, oh, like look at a painting like, oh, that looks nice. Like, oh, that looks nice. And then, you know, works of art that could have taken like a thousand hours or some crazy amount of time to complete uh, can be ingested rather quickly. Does that, do you ever feel like that's something you have to uh, like make sure doesn't like do something to, to sort of fight that uh, or, or you know, do you care if someone's just like scrolling through, sees it, and is like, I like that, and then keep scrolling after like a half second? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there, there was uh, some research done on uh, how much time do people spend in a museum looking at each artwork, and on average, it turned out to be about 15 seconds. Damn. Right? Yeah. So it's uh, people scan really well, but also really quick and they move on. Um, how do I move through a museum, right? So either, um, um, well, for example, I was in, in Spain not so long ago, um, and I wanted to see Guernica, right? Because I'd never seen it in real, the castle yeah. of Guernica. So then I went to the museum, and um, I saw a few pieces, but I went to see Guernica, so I went to Guernica, and I spent a lot of time there. Um, and in other museums, whatever, but it depends on the museum, what my interest is, but I will often also like speedily go through a museum and only spend time with something that triggers interest in me. So if if that's how I'm operating, how can I expect anything else from anyone else, right? I can only make work for me that uh, I feel is arresting and hopefully that um, it does the same for other people. And it's not going to be for everyone and it's not going to interest everyone, but I hope that the people that it does uh, have an effect on, that they, they take the time to do that. But that's, there are so many elements around like what's going on in their day um like uh if they're stressed if they're happy if they're depressed if if uh, they're having a good day a bad day there's so many variables that influence how we move through space and um and how we experience it that i mean yeah there's <laughs> there's no one way it's it's all over the place yeah i, I think that's really like it maybe like the only answer you can give to that i guess like yeah. what are you gonna do you know yeah can't people yeah. by the collar um <laughs> yeah. do you feel um another person i talked to recently for this podcast did a book about the the cia starting a bunch of like literary magazines and also supporting uh like abstract art versus like social realist art right. and uh this person's argument and i don't 
um, I, I really don't know what my position is on it, but his argument was like, you know, uh, all these works of art are fine, but like, hey, you know, if you're doing things that are quote unquote apolitical, you got to realize that, hey, you know, you, you're almost kind of playing into what, what the powers that be, you know, want you to be doing. Do, right. do you feel any, um, I'm sure you feel like some, like most people, uh, hopefully some social responsibility as like a, a person, but as, as an artist, do you feel like there's anything where it's like, oh man, I got to be addressing X, Y, Z political issue in my painting. And if I'm not, then, oh, fuck me. Right. I mean, I mean, um, I guess the, um, I forget who said it, but like basically, uh, all all art is political. It's impossible not for for art not to be political. Um, but I mean, I suppose my political position uh, was uh, trying to be the counter to uh, the, the digital realm uh, yeah. through the work. I guess I suppose that would be my political position if I would have one. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I and. I also, my kind of like, not like beef with that argument, but uh, so many things are just like judged by their utility that I think it's on, on some level um, subversive to just create something where it's like, no, 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 this is just supposed to be beautiful. Like mm -hmm. this, this is not going to have, it doesn't have any like function. It's just like, it's just cool. Like, don't you like it? You know, um, do you, so you've been successful as an artist. You, you sell paintings um, already. That's like better than ninety nine point nine nine percent of people who paint. You know, right? Um, so, although at the same time, I feel like maybe the way that the, the art market functions can be kind of corrupting, where you know, if someone's selling like million dollar paintings ultimately these tastes are being determined by people who have millions of dollars to throw around on paintings. And like, mm -hmm. they may, I'm sure some of them really do appreciate art. Uh, some of them are just using it as investment, but it's still like a pretty uh, small group of people who are able to make these judgments. Um, mm -hmm. Is this something that concerns you as an artist? Has, has it ever affected your practice in any way? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, it has, and um, it's uh, is definitely prob problematic um, that um, you have these gatekeepers um, who who basically um, who basically um, are able to somehow like be the judges of what good art is, what's bad art, and because it's selling well, it must be good art, and all you know, all 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 these kind of things. Um, it, it's really problematic, but then at the same time, also when you're then in that system. Um, it can also really, really, really go wrong. Like uh, when spec speculators come in and start buying your work, the, the, the price goes up at auction, you get to a certain level, that then um, your prices are that. So then your galleries no, can no longer sustain that or pay, pay that. And then the bottom falls out of your, your market and then your career is over in that sense, right? In what, what, what that is called culture career um first and foremost i think the, the most important thing is and it's um it was also my driving 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 factor was um i need to uh, a, a compulsion to create 
um, and that, that 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 was actually the most important thing that I was constantly um, moving through and I was doing whatever I had to do in order to be able to create the work that was like the the most important thing uh, and that still is the most important driving factor of course there is moments where I have to make some form of concession in the uh, I'm uh, maybe making a few more works of a series than I want to uh, just because that uh, is necessary for a show or for a certain situation. I have those moments and I, that is 100% a, a, um, um, a, a condition of um, money being related to uh, how I earn a living, right? Um, so um, if in an ideal world, money was no, not part of the equation, right? Universal income, all that kind of situations, then um, the choices I make would definitely be different. Um, but I am a product of this environment. And of course, we always have to imagine uh, alternative futures and work towards uh, redefining the paradigm. But I'm definitely having to operate within that for sure. Just so I understand this correctly, when you're talking about people where speculators come in, the value of it goes like way up. And then right. your galleries can't support that. In other words, like the, the galleries that like you sort of started out with that would like showcase your work, et cetera. They're like, oh, we can no longer afford to, to buy these paintings to show. And then like that, it would be more like uh, when, when, the, uh, when the, the value of the work at auction goes to a certain level, um, you, um, the price in the gallery, in a way, has to somehow match that, right? So you're um, you're going to have to have a find a, a new audience who can afford that new price point, um, oh. because 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 then your your market has stability, right? So no matter what the what the price point is, it has to in general be kind of even over the whole board. You can't have this difference because then, then you undermine the higher value. And the idea is that it has to, the market has to have some stability in it. Okay. It, it, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's so weird. I mean, yeah. So, okay. We're, we're, almost, we're almost at an hour here and I don't want to take up a, a ton of your time. But one, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about in terms of the life of an artist Right. Um, this is something that like, I, I have a, a friend of mine, uh, a couple friends of mine who are like starting bands and like they they really want to like make a scene, like uh, have like a scene of people who like, you know, we're all like making music and like, oh, you know, we all shows going on. We're going to each other's thing and like we're all bouncing ideas off each other. Uh, do, do you feel like uh, do you feel like part of a scene uh, do, or, or like what's your relationship with like the community of other artists? Yeah, so I, I have like a, a small group of uh, artist friends um, and, we're, and we're definitely close and we have a, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's like um, if uh, you have a ton of bands that are all into heavy metal, right? There, there's a commonality in the theme or the style, the genre that they're working in. So that that's a great way to come uh, to create community and they can organize gigs together. They can do all these certain things. Um, 
with my artist friends that I have, we're all in completely different disciplines or we're in different areas. So we can support each other through conversation and um, uh, engaging in other each other's practices, but we can't assist necessarily in the furthering of each other's career uh, because the work is so different. Um, so it's like you you have community, but you can't like it's, it's, it's in a certain way, and both are valuable. Um, yeah, but that's also the nice thing of uh, doing uh, artist residencies and um, um, networking and uh, uh, find, finding more artists is that you find common ground and commonality, and um, that's in a really important spirit that needs to uh, be nourished as well. But of course, you know. The classic artist is uh, on their own in their studio, day and night, working away. And unfortunately, that's my kind of mentality. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of a workaholic. I um, I really um, my work develops through the production of the work, so I have to I, I have to produce. I can't sit around and think about it. I've got to do it. I mean, that, that's kind of a good spot to be in, though, because I feel like a lot of people just agonize over their 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 ideas and it's like okay right. well, at some point you gotta shoot your shots otherwise it's just right. gonna like fester. yeah yeah i know for sure yeah no it works for me it works for me yeah clearly um dude i've, I've really loved talking to you i, I feel like you're just Likewise. like uh, not uh you, there's no pomposity uh the there's there's a clear like idea about what you're doing but it's like fun and um yeah, this this was cool, man. So for people who want to uh, to check your work out, I, I know you have a uh, danielmullen.info as as a website. Yeah. Uh, what, what's yeah. your Instagram? Instagram is uh, daniel.j.mullen. Okay, sweet. Um, yeah, cool. And you can also find that on my website as well. Yeah, excellent. Uh, but and, it was and, uh, super, super nice to talk with you. Yeah, I man. Really yeah, cool. Um, so good luck in uh, in Mexico, and uh, yeah. I I have to admit I have not I have not seen uh, I I gotta see your art in person. So yeah, uh, if, if you have any good suggestions about where to go, um, well, I, I do bounce around quite a bit. So okay, uh, well I've got a show opening next month in São Paulo, Brazil. Um, oh. so. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to, I'm, I mean, I'm uh, off to Brazil uh, in a few weeks. So if you happen to be in Sao Paulo at the beginning of November till December, let me know. Dude, sweet. <laughs> um, I'll, I will be in Argentina at the end of November. So that's, oh, no way. That's a okay. Way. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's not so far. <laughs> not, not so far. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, yeah. man. That's cool. All right. Uh, good talking and uh, have a great rest of your day. Great. Have, a, have a, a lovely day and thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you to Daniel Mullen and thanks for listening to Dunk Tank. I'm Duncan Gaming. See you next time.